Welcome to the Shari Tzedek Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Here you'll find a live recording of just about every sermon, Devar Torah, teaching, or story from our Arab Shabbat and High Holy Day services. We know that you wish you could be with us more often, and we understand life getting in the way is not a bad thing. To live Jewishly is to understand that just as important as it is that Judaism happens in the synagogue, it's even more important to live Jewishly in your home and on your way. So here we are, in your home, on your way, maybe even on your morning run. If you ever have any questions or want to continue the discussion, let one of us know, and make sure you check out our live stream and YouTube channel for more ways that Shari Tzedek is available to you on demand. Keep an eye on your shofar and email so that when you're able, you can be with us as well. Looking forward to seeing you soon. The history of all living things on earth revolves around food. For millions of years, animals, plants, and everything else have evolved to develop the tools they need to find their next meal or, alternatively, to avoid becoming something else's next meal. Birds fly to spot and catch prey. Fish race through the ocean to nab smaller fish. Mosquitoes swarm and bite whatever they can, wherever they can. The creatures that eat the most get to reproduce and pass on the genes that allowed them to survive. But modern humans are a little bit different our species Homo sapiens sapiens. We developed a completely new strategy. Our ape ancestors walked on their hands and feet, but somehow we decided to stand up. The extra height gave us a better view of our surroundings. Running on two legs saved energy in long distance running and left our hands free to catch and carry food. And then we got to the good stuff. Other animals were quick or good at hiding. We would become masters of outthinking them. Relying on a protein-rich diet of meat, the hominid brain changed and grew. The prefrontal cortex, which let us engage in complex decision-making, expanded drastically, and the other lobes followed suit. Soon enough, we were self-aware, had thoughts, imagination, and will. This is what let us build civilization, language, social order, culture, religion, art and music, empathy. Everything that makes humans human exists because millions of years ago, a bigger brain helped us find food better just as it has been for the Jews for thousands of years. Everything is about where you're going to get lunch. Now, I know I often take food for granted. I have worn a path in the floor of my apartment between the couch and the fridge, and I always know I'll be able to find something to eat in there. I have never had to go to bed hungry. You know, kinahara. But there are so many people in our country and in the world who experience something called food insecurity. According to the United Nations definition, food insecurity exists when someone, sometimes, does not have physical and economic access 
to sufficient, safe, and nutritious food that meets their dietary needs and food preferences for an active and healthy life. A U.S. Department of Agriculture study from 2018 estimated that one in nine Americans at some point experienced food insecurity. Around 37 million people, 11 million of them children. And that number has only gotten larger because of the pandemic. Many of us can only imagine how scary and painful it must be to not have access to healthy food, to have to skip meals, to not know if your children will have enough to eat tomorrow. No matter how culturally and technologically advanced our society gets, the fact remains, stomachs are not going to stop growling. This essential relationship between human existence and hunger was not lost on the authors of the Torah, whose sacred tradition we inherit. In our Torah portion this week, a more from the book of Leviticus, we read about the holiest moments of the Jewish calendar, God's appointed times. Among these are the three pilgrimage festivals, Passover, Shavuot, and Sukkot, all of which are based on the agricultural cycle. It's about growing food, and all of which involve bringing a sacrifice of the food that one grew to the temple. Amor outlines in detail the amount and type of offerings, lambs, grain, loaves of bread, and so on, all done exactly the right way at the right time. But smack dab in the middle of this sacrificial manual, right between the rules concerning Shavuot and the rules concerning Rosh Hashanah, we find an interesting verse. We read, When you reap the harvest of your land... You shall not reap all the way to the edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am Adonai, your God. This may even be a verse that you've heard before. The intent here is clear. God gives us the land to work and the rain to grow our crops, so only some of it truly belongs to us. God wants to ensure that the corners of the field and the grain we drop while harvesting belong to those people who need it, the most vulnerable in society. But the reason you might be having deja vu is the fact that we read this exact same rule in last week's Torah portion, Kedoshim. And this is just the kind of problem that gets our commentators really excited. Remember, they didn't have the internet back then. So why do we get this rule twice? And why right here? Now, it could just be that it's important, but that is not a satisfying answer for our rabbis. As always, the medieval French commentator Rashi provides. He writes, citing an opinion from Rabbi Avardimos ben Rabbi Yossi, what reason had scripture to place this law among those regarding the festival sacrifices at the temple? To teach you, that one who leaves the gleanings, the forgotten sheaf, and the corner of the field to the poor is regarded as though they had built the temple and offered the sacrifices therein. Let's take this in for a second. This is incredible. The temple, for our ancestors, was the most sacred place, the holy of holies, 
where God dwelt on earth. Even King David wasn't worthy of building it. But for our tradition, anyone who gives of their food to those who are hungry, they are not only worthy, but equal to the one who builds God's dwelling place. Clearly, this makes feeding others one of the most important commandments we are given. We need food to live. Everybody does. And when we feed another, we are giving life to another living being made in the image of God. So what can we do with this? What can we do to feed other people in our community? I think, raise your hand if you have a field that you've been working lately. Right, not, not many of us are farmers right now. Um, shout out to the farmers out there. Um, so one thing you can do is you can join us for our mitzvah day activities on Sunday, May 16th, where among other tikkun olam projects, we will be collecting food donations and sending volunteers to help at the warehouse of Feeding Tampa Bay. These are great ways to contribute to our community, and they are only the start. The lesson that mitzvah day teaches us should not be that we feed the hungry one day a year, and then we are exempt from our obligation. Instead, mitzvah day should be a way for us to enter into a life of tzedakah, of giving what we have to create a more just society. And we can start by giving others the most basic thing that people owe to each other, the food that we all need to live. After mitzvah day, or even before, you can donate food or money to and volunteer at organizations like Feeding Tampa Bay or food banks like the one at Tampa Jewish Family Services. These are organizations that know how to get food to the people who need it. A colleague of mine, Rabbi Austin Zoot, always keeps a box of granola bars in his car to hand out to people he sees at street corners. I know I want to be better at feeding people when I see them. I hope you'll all join me. And at the same time that we feed the hungry, we also need to address the systems in our society that leave so many of our neighbors food insecure. Poverty is the main cause of hunger, and that has only increased during the pandemic. We need a robust social safety net to ensure that folks who need it can be certain about where their next meal is going to come from. There is nothing that a person can be or do that lets us deny them the right to food. We need to address the economic inequality that leaves people trapped in a cycle of poverty. And we need to break the patterns of indifference that blind us to the needy people in our community, in our city, and in our country. In the short term, everyone should have access to a food bank. And in the long term, no one should ever need a food bank again. That's the message of our Torah. When we build a society the right way, when we root out systems that prioritize profit over human life, no one will lack the food that they need to live. Every night that someone somewhere goes to bed hungry should be a night that we lie awake figuring out what we're going to do about it tomorrow. When we leave the corners of our fields for those who need it, we are not simply feeding people in need. We are building a holy temple in our community, bringing God down to earth, giving of what we have to each other 
so that no one has to feel the pain, despair, and fear of being hungry. May all of us work towards feeding our communities and building that temple right here where we are. Shabbat Shalom.